Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your hosts, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Hello, Inside the Firm people. Uh, I am Alex Gore, your master of ceremony. I am here with the main attraction, Lance Michael Psycho. What's Michael Psycho? It rhymes. Out. You know what? I don't. At any any point in anybody's uh, firm in their career, there comes a time for you to begin gathering product and material information for your next project, right? Agree. It's going to happen. Like A developer is going to come up to you and they're going to say, hey... I want to I want to use some kind of special new material or product, and you're gonna be like, "Wow, well, I guess we're gonna have to do a little research." Okay, so let let's say your task was finding the top gas manufacturers, and they need to have CAD, BIM, and specifications. Gas? What do you mean by gas? Gas fireplace manufacturers. Nice. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a search engine that showed you who has the data you need? There is, and it's ArcCAD.com. The number one most used website for finding building product information in the world. Search for a product or even a CSI section and get a list of manufacturers and the data they offer. Even better, you can download all that technical data for free. I love it. For free. You don't even have to register to use ArtCat. Save your firm time, money, and frustration and go to ArtCat.com to start building better content today. I, I actually love that. Um, that you don't have to register. It annoys me when I go to the manufacturer's website and I have to create a login and they get my email and that's fine. Just, it's annoying. You know who agrees with you? Arcat. And Robert Wygant. Yeah, oh, really? And that was his idea. Yeah, as far Good as I know. Good for him. As far as I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Al, that's A-R-C-A-T.com. Arcat.com. Get it. All right. Okay. Um, Lance, repeat clients are the best. Repeat clients are the best. But you say avoid sour taste in their mouth. Yeah. How do you do that? That's the key. I think that's the key, right? Mm. So uh, we have, I think, how many times How many times has uh, one of our favorite Boulder clients, no names, um, have we done work for him? This is the fourth Hold time. Forth. Yep, this is the fourth time now. And so I actually posted this uh, question about this product typology in the Entree Architect community. If you're not in that Facebook group, it has over 5,200 members right now. You are not doing yourself a favor as a small firm architect. Um, Go over there and check it out. But I posted, what should you charge for, um, should you give a discount for a nonprofit? So that's the fourth one that that we've now secured with this client. And it just, it proved to me the one more time the value of repeat clients i think the biggest value is al and you i don't think you're gonna disagree is there's no advertising time anymore there's no there's hardly any sales time anymore the the pitch the pitch the pitch you have to make is uh, you're already a trusted um service member you know a person yep. who's giving them whatever kind of service or product that you're giving them that's all out of the window right and they know kind of what to expect for your fees so like there's not this shock value nice shirt by the way monograph Oh, we should talk about that. Yeah. Um, no, I've made four pitches this week that you don't even know about because our website is blowing even, up. I don't even know about it. You don't even know. Our website, I've been getting four, I, I have one I haven't even talked to, four to five this week. 
just just through our website. New contact. sales new sales contacts, yeah. Yep. Inquiries. Yep. yep. And I feel like I've been saying the same thing. Like, this is why we're good. This is why we're awesome. I'm the coolest man on the planet. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> oh, look at me. Discipline <laughs> equals freedom. <laughs> um, but with repeat clients, <clears throat> they already know what you bring to the table, so you don't have to go through that spiel again. Not that that's a, a burden, but you know, if you're doing it, you know, I think one day I did it twice in a row, and I just felt like a record, you know. Yeah. Um, how do you keep them? So then, to answer your question that I didn't answer, okay? That you didn't ask. That didn't ask. How to avoid sour taste in their mouth? You and I were talking about this earlier in the week, and that is when's the last time you guys said, "Hey, I'm going to charge you extra money." I'm going to do extra services for you. And I, to me, that is one of the biggest things is you just, if you can avoid giving them a sour taste in their mouth, and some of the biggest ones are if there's a big change at the end or something like that, and if you have enough fees to cover it, and you, if you're just like, yep, no problem, we're just going to take care of that. Right. We're just going to take care of that problem. We are here to be the buffer between you and whatever jurisdiction we're trying to get the permit through. Uh, maybe there's even engineers, whatever. You're trying to make their job as, as their position the least stressful position in the equation. Mm-hmm. I like that. On one of these projects, we're going to have to eat it because we're going to do that. Um, on It's a mountain house. You probably know it. It just, it, it just it's so big, so big of a project. Yeah. Um, You're at that point now. You got to do it. We're at that point. We It was so big that some of the details you know how we like to do 3d um foundation plans and this one is on a step foundation so it was so big we didn't do that and normally we do do that so we didn't have the fees to do that so now they're asking questions like where do the wall heights go on Ah, it's there so you're just doing it and so we're like okay we're just gonna do it you know and you know what i'm predicting that within one year of the recording this podcast is august 23rd 2019 we're going to talk about, we're going to cite that specific project and that client, and they're going to turn into a referral or a re- repeat. Mm. Watch, it's going to happen. Yep. Because they're going to be like, man, they just took care of it. They just take care of the problem. I'm not saying bleed all day long, yep. but just know that there are certain times where I think it's appropriate for you to go like, we're just going to take care of this. Don't worry yep. about it. You have to, there's some kind of like, I don't know how you develop that sense yep. of, it. I think it's just experience of like, when when can you feel a pressure building up? And all of that, and then you just gotta make an executive decision now. Yep, I, I got some good news and some bad news. For oh, you. what's the bad news? I'll start with the good news. Okay, I, I have to start with the good news. The good news is uh, I'm wearing Monograph sent me this T-shirt. Monograph.io, check them out. Um, I like their software. I like how it works. The bad news is, as of now, F9 is not going to use it. Why? And the reason why is, so when Google makes a product, have you ever heard this concept? I'm sure in in different areas, but 10x. Yep, 10x. It has to be, so every time they make something, they try to, it has to be 10x better than their competitors. Mm -hmm. And you know, it doesn't happen all the time, right? Maybe it's 4x, 3x. But the reason they do 10x is because there's such an effort in transitioning to something else that it has to clearly, clearly be better. Monograph has some things that are clearly better than the way that we're doing it, mm-hmm. but it for us the way we operate to transition, it has to integrate into in our, our whole system and the 10x solution, which they say that they're working on, would be a timer. Oh, okay. Because I need for for my for our firm and and I know this is true for for all the guys. So <laughs> your opinion. 
isn't really necessary only because I know how the, all they how everyone operates, right? If it, there was a timer, then everyone would be in it all the time and it would just be a seamless operation and then it would be a no-brainer to, to transition. But since there's not, there's that extra step and then it's a trade-off between the way we're doing it and the way they're doing it. Well, that's, you know, maybe they're doing a one and a half X, but that's not, that's not enough. That's not enough. So um, if they ever do, I'm sure they'll let us know and then I'm sure we'll give it a try again and then I'm sure we'll shout it out and be like, hey, this is, this is working for us. It might still work for you guys um, because some people, there's so many people that don't do it the way that we do it, where they have a timer. They put in their hours and they log them. If, if you're you just doing it that way, I would say uh, monograph will work in very other words, well. Are, are, so just, just to clarify for me, timesheets. So like if you're filling out traditional timesheets, even, even if you're just filling out a spreadsheet, like you, you go to put it in a monograph sort of manually. Exactly. Okay. But, but if your firm is doing that, then why would you not go to monograph? Like they're already then giving you from that perspective, 10 X, if you're operating off of a, a, a timer, it's just, it's just an extra step that, you know, and maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it's uh, for uh, the other thing I would add on to that was maybe where w- at some point I would like to have, we talked about this, an administrative assistant. I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't call this person a secretary in that, that sense. I would say an administrative assistant. They take care of pretty much full time administrative tasks like that. So then that would, if, if we had that and they could take and they could say like, okay, uh, guys and gals export your time off a of toggle and this week, and now we're going to put it in the monograph. You know, that's just something I don't think you and I, we honestly don't have the time. And, and they don't have the time to do it either. That's just another step. Our, our, our employees. Yep. Correct. Yep. So either we'd hire someone that would do a lot of other things, but also that, then that would make sense. Or they make a timer. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, have you heard of the book, Only the Paranoid Survived? No, Survived. but I love that. I love that title. Is so, that what you're reading? No. Are you thinking I'm, about reading it? I'm I'm not reading it because it's not on Audible. Oh, I thought you were a reader though. I thought you can actually sit down and do it because you don't have ADD like me. I can, but at night I'm either reading like NASA stuff or Jocko stuff or you know stuff that's different. Um, anyways, it's Andy Grove and he was the manager of Intel and he has another book called like High Output Managers. Anyways, these two books like keep coming up like like keep. On podcasts, people keep referencing to them. Um, and I haven't read it, but I love that that idea, only the paranoid survive. And I called you two weeks ago. I go, what is going on? And there's a couple different like scenarios. I was like, aren't these people like paranoid? Aren't they paranoid? Like we, we had a consultant who had a big, a, a decent fee for a project that started their actual work the day it was due. And I was like, I'm just freaking out. How how can you run? How can you run your your business like that? That makes that makes no sense whatsoever. And I think one of our survival techniques is that um, we both worked at firms. This is another thing that I'm paranoid. Where we had hours where we weren't doing useful work. Oh, scary, man! And it's scary. Like uh, I just think about that all the time. Like if I was. I think we've hired some very intelligent people. So if we were if we were putting them in that position, I would hope, and I hope that we've established a relationship with them to the point where they don't feel afraid to bring it up if there's if something's wrong, and they would bring it up to us and say, even, as if we wouldn't know. But like, hey, work seems really slow. We're just kind of panning around. 
looking at Facebook. So what's going on? Are we should we be looking for something else? Not good. Yeah. So I'm always paranoid about that, having having things stacked up. And I'm sure there's things where you're at the job site. Al, Wednesday night, I slept two hours. Two hours. What were you doing? Why? Thinking about all the stuff we've been talking about, all these little details that I've had you out to look at, running through, running through it, my running through my head, thinking about, okay, if there's 122 doors to install, can we get it down to a half hour? Because we're self-performing the interior doors and the trim now. Can we get it down to a half hour? What does that mean for manpower? Oh my god, are we going to be able to make this deadline? Blah blah blah. blah. Just non-stop those things playing out the sequence over and over in my head. It's not, you know, so. So that's the stuff I'm paranoid about, right? But but even like that that plumbing. Remember you told me about the plumbing story about testing? The about testing it? Yeah. What do you mean? Go I mean you're going to have to remind okay. me, sorry. So um the plumbers were going to do one unit and then they were going to do all the other units Oh, they yes. Were gonna... Yes. So what did you tell them? I told them don't don't do that. <laughs> Jump over here. I need you guys the order of operations has been everybody has their i'm finding out with all these subcontractors is that i mean all of them all of them they all they all want to tackle the hardest things first which i think is insane because if anybody's listened to this if you're if you're a repeat listener to this podcast you know alex and i preach fundamentals first right crawl walk then run so why wouldn't you tackle the task that's the easiest to do and repeat it and do it well and then move up from there to levels of difficulty they want to move up from levels of difficulty. They want to start at the hardest thing and then go backwards. And I, I don't know what, I don't know. So I think, but then that, I think that proves that like you need a good general contractor who works in the opposite way because I, that's, I think that's the way it, it's just fundamentally how you do anything really well. Well, well, let me uh, play devil's advocate. One big business book is called eat the frog. So it's saying, take your hardest task. Do that first. Um, another one that we've heard from your former boss is like, find the biggest prob- problem and run head at it, right? I think there's a difference because when you're out in the field, everything is real work. If When you're sitting here in the office, if you do all the easy stuff first, you can do a lot of fluff that means absolutely nothing. So like, I think that applies. But when you're out in the field, you're getting familiar and you're gaining skills as you're going along. So it's like plumbing, laying out. So like you're getting a feel for the environment. You're getting a feel for like where the studs are, where everything works out. So, and you're digesting all the systems that come together. Um, the mechanical, the electrical, the plumbing, uh, the fire systems, the, the studs. So in your mind, when you're out in your field, this is how it makes sense to me is that if you do the easy stuff first, once you get to the hard stuff, you're so familiar and so comfortable in that environment, you probably have a great solution for that hard stuff. Yes. And I think that's a key difference because people will hear, I'm sure you could rewind 40 episodes and we would say, run, find the hardest problem and run at it. I think there's a difference in the environment. And the environment is if you're sitting in the office, you can sit and, and mess around and say, oh, I'm going to do um, these area area calcs when really you should be figuring out the height because you're going to break the bulk plane and your whole project is going to explode. Correct. I, well, it's it's level of um, 
it's it's so the the analogy is it's 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 the the level of problem right so the the um how big the problem is and how severe there you go that's the word i'm looking for how severe the problem is right so in construction the pro- the problems that are most severe are what is in the critical path meaning right you know what i'm saying so that's where you are running at a problem right like are the next two subs going to be held up by this one sub because they screwed up the flashing or they didn't do the flashing and therefore the whole sequence is 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 in jeopardy yes that's when you run right at it but if there's nothing in the critical if if there's nothing to tackle in the critical path then start from the fundamentals so back to the plumbers so the idea was hey plumbers understand that i need to co these units first yep and deliver to these guys first so please skip the rest of these that you want to do and jump over here. And now what's what the beautiful thing is we have, because I did that and I made that adjustment, we're finally, we sort of, we, we have leapfrogged the critical path for the developers and we've leapfrogged from one building to the other. And now we are on the right critical path and tackling the problems. I think that's the grand unifying theory of both office work and out in the field work. Instead of having two different systems in your head, kind of like I explained, is be, uh, when you're doing a project, even in the office, you have to think about the critical path because you could get, we know people who get stuck in the details. You get stuck in the details and that's the same thing out in the field. Like, oh, I want to get stuck in this hard problem or do this. No, no. What is the critical path? Starting from when you start a project, it's you know your area layout, your, your setbacks and your height. That's the critical path. Not not the detail of the you know skin skin wall which you could argue that has you know you got to figure that out but that's not in the critical path the same thing is out in the field bam this this episode will be called the critical path nice i like it it's perfect yeah good stuff al um but the pressure is uh the pressure still on us to do this to do what we're trying to do so we're just um i don't know i feel a lot better about it i still lose some sleep uh it's gonna be tough we're gonna have to work really hard to get this done on time (laughs) Yeah, um, but we're—I think we've put ourselves in the position to do it, and we only have one unit left to sell. That's also the beautiful thing: is like we we can pay off the loan, eat a little bit. You could sit on one unit at the end if we really had to. Yep. And so now the critical path is—you um, told me the 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 plumbers are going to do whatever they need to do underground the road. Then all the outside people are going to kind of wait because one week, one week because they're going to pave that, right? Um, and then is it, is it back to, because it is a, a critical path, um, exterior stucco people and siding's almost done. Siding's almost done. Right? So it's just stucco people. I, I feel like that's another one where it's not on the critical path, but it's been moving so slow in, in my perspective. Yes. It's, it's, it's almost getting to that point like stucco people. I don't know how we're going to get the project done unless you start sending people here on a regular schedule and start getting this shit done. Yep. And if I don't know how to get the project done, that means I don't know how to pay you if we don't get this project done. And that's the kind of... Kind get of, your butt to work. <laughs> yep, exactly. They actually did a great job last this this last week. Um, they do quality work. I mean, they, did, they this is the same stucco sub that did my house and my wife and I and everybody else are very happy with. There's no cracks. It's, it's beautiful stucco. Seriously mm-hmm. beautiful. You love it even. I mean, every time you I come know. over, you're like, man, I love this stucco. It's white. It's really nice. Um, but uh, so they did a great job. They've been doing a great job. Uh, just so you know, like, here's how hard they work. They go they go from 7 to 7.30. So like last night, I had to 
I had to go back and forth to the job yep. site and lock it all up. I'm chained to that freaking job site. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, okay. On the lighter side, let's go over some industry facts. Bam. Al's uh, got some facts. Yeah. Al facts. So NCARB sent this out. I thought it was kind of cool. There's a whole bunch of them, but here's some that I picked out. Um, the first one, on average, it takes 12.8 years to complete the core licensure requirements, including a degree, complete the experience programs, and passing the ARE. What do you think about that? Do you think that's so from the time you graduate, when you step into college, 12.8 years? I like the attorneys. I mean, the only thing I like about attorneys is, is their approach to licensure. And that is you, you, you can pass the, you can take the bar right out of school. So that's what, five to six years? Are you telling me you're looking up the average, what it takes to do them right well, now? What's law school length? You know what I mean? Like, don't you go, Isn't don't it you two, get your four-year degree? In anything. And then you go apply to grad school. Yeah. And you go to law school, two to three years, probably. I mean, it's so a, four, five, six, so it's half the time? Yeah. Yeah. That's, to me, that's the approach you should be taking. Mm-hmm. I've said this before a million times is that, what are we so afraid about of license, of getting people licensed earlier? Is it that all of a sudden you think you're going to have, instead of 50% of us being individual uh, firm owners, sole, sole, sole practitioners, that we're going to have 75% and then we're, it's even more competitive? And you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, you have to convince a client and a lot of them really, a lot of them, if they're good clients, if they're good owners, they're going to want you to have experience. I would think like, you're not going to just hire people right out of school. Well, I, I think here's my perspective of what it would be is that if you shorten it up and right out of college, you got a, your license and you go and many people would, would be gung ho and, and ambitious and they wouldn't have the experience and know the details and the profession uh, reputation would falter because they'd be doing Maybe the wrong things, not connecting things. But wouldn't that lead back to, huh, maybe in school, you shouldn't focus just on design. You should focus on, you should focus on the practice. life. Practice, practice, right? Because, how should I say this? Maybe our greatest, maybe architect's greatest failure is not honestly, critically looking at our weaknesses. Right. Yeah. And and really laying it out. And if you lay it out, our greatest weakness is not design. We can do that. It's the practice and not running a business. It's the practice of putting things together. Putting things together. Putting a very complex thing together in a clear, concise way to where uh, people can understand it. People can know how to build from it. And then solving problems, right? I think solving problems is the and is the anecdote right. to add to that, like problem solvers. Yeah, right. So if you're if we're honest with ourselves, do we not want to solve that issue in college? Because is it structurally is it structurally too hard to do? Because if you think about a doctor, you know they know the whole system, right? But they have rounds and they have class, you know, like classes of six people sometimes. If you're really going to dissect an issue of a building. Like I would only want six students to look at what they're doing and to really say, this is what's happening. This is what's not happening. And I think that's maybe what's holding us back from more responsibility, thus more recognition, thus more reward because we're, we've just kind of sulked back into we're great designers, which we are, but guess what? A lot of people are great designers. Do you think, uh, so 
there's a group that uh, there's a Facebook group. It's called Denver Fugly, and why I'm bringing it up is because it's a bunch of what uh, if everybody a nim they're a bunch of nimbies. Um, so not in my backyard type of people, right? Yes. Not a lot of I don't think they understand the industry like we do. They're not on the ground level and everything. So here's what I'm getting at is <clears throat> in my in my opinion. Like when I drive around, especially even just Longmont, have you been out west and looked at these developments that are going up with these? There's, they're like their their condominium townhome ones. There's ones out by like Airport Road, and um, they're little single family homes, but really well done. Like they're like what we consider like modern farmhouse craftsmen, yep. sort of this hybrid. Huge windows, little skinny guys, beautiful proportions. Yep. Like builders are now doing this stuff. And then you and then you see in like some of these online forums that you are you are you and I are in where people will complain about like yeah there are some bad examples still going on like McMansions and stuff, but from my anecdotal ex- ex- experience and perspective, I feel like we're the design the level of design and quality is so much better than we were at in the '90s overall. Absolutely, don't you think? Absolutely. So so to go, go back to the point of like, all right, don't. Don't not keep teaching design, but man, if you can layer on this practicality thing, if you can layer on the practice. Here, what do you think about this as a concept? So NDSU has five years. You get your master's in architecture. And I was even going to say before I said this was like in the 90s, architecture in Minnesota and North Dakota. Junk. Junk. We can say we're from there. But now you look at firms like JLG. What's going on? I even went through your stupid oil town and and even some of the warehouse buildings i'm like oh they did something cool there yeah <laughs> like know? the facade yeah yep yep and, and i'm saying stupid and jess everyone <laughs> knows I, I love it up there um so ndsu is doing a great job in a five-year accelerated master program of design i think they do pretty decent in the details too but if you wanted what you're talking about, which I also agree with, with you get your degree afterwards, I would have design school. License. He meant license. Keep license. Five-year design school, right? And then a two-year professional school. And at the prof- like after that five years, like we know plenty of... You, you're great at design. You're great at design. You're, you're doing good. awesome. Two years of professional where it's literally six to eight people. Not only maybe are you studying for the test, but you're going over details you're going through connections you're going through rules the first year you're reading the irc the second year you're reading the ibc and you're applying it it to your projects i love it that's that's a professional man you are reading it too i'm serious like chapter by chapter it's a course it's a three it's a three credit course you get you get quizzed you got to take a test it could even be open book i don't care i don't care either as long as you've tabbed it i mean and and treat it like it's the yeah, I mean, why, what's so wrong with that? I think that's a great idea. You you go from basically 13 years down to seven years, but you had two more years of schooling and you're increasing their debt. So there's problems with it. But some people are already going to school for seven years and just getting a master's in architecture. How do you not- tackle, how do you tackle um, getting rid of this intern thing? You know what I mean? All of a sudden, well, think about it. Like, okay, are you still going to require so many hours for internship? Oh, I think your professional school would take care of all that. I mean, you'd get nitty gritty, man. You'd be detail, construction oriented, you know, real, like everything. I would want to revamp the test too, but I mean, like you said, you are reading these books yes. and applying them. Yep. Yep. Just like It'd be it. Yeah. yeah. I love it. 
Anyways, uh, point number two. In 2018, there were uh, 115,316 architects in the United States. A 2% increase from 2017. So that's cool. I always wonder, if you have 115,000 architects, how many people are actually in firms doing architectural work? Two to three more times than that? 2% increase? From 2017. Yeah. That's pretty weak. Do you think that's weak? How many do we need? What's the population growth of the United States? I don't know. That's Look a great question. Oh, you don't even... You, I'm, I'm barely it. alive with a computer over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. I already talked about it once. Today. So he'll yeah. look that up. Yeah. If it matches population growth. Yeah. Then maybe. Annual. Keep going. Um, last one. Over a 10-year period, three out of every five candidates stay on the path to licensure. Ooh, that's rough. One one point eight. Oh, that's the world. I don't know about the U.S. Good question. Yeah. What were you saying? Over Read a 10-year period, one. three out of every five candidates stay on the path to licensure. That's good, I guess. I don't know. I don't want it to be easier. I want it to be streamlined. That's, I think, my summation yep. of the whole licensure process. Population growth is 0.7 in the United States. Ah, well, maybe, so. maybe that's two more people. That's twice as many architects as we need. Exactly. Just exactly. saying. Yeah. So I mean, we need more architects than developers. That's, what I, that's, all, that's all I know. Yeah. Um, do we have Nick? We don't have Nick. Nick, uh, I, I text Nick this morning. Nick did not get back to me. He's out there. He's out there building, you know, fancy schmancy houses. He's on, doing on great. On the beach. Probably sitting on the beach. With a margarita. With a margarita. Yeah. Build my building. <laughs> 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 like, we can't see you, Nick. You're like two inches tall. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So, let's bring in the guys for uh, ARE Jeopardy. Yes, sir. All right, this first one is according to F9 standard practice. How many inches of bearing should Joyce have on a wall? A, one inch. B, two inch. Three, C, three inch. D, half inch. Do-do-do. Do-do-do. Do-do. A, one inch. B, two inch. Three, C, three inch. <laughs> It's the third one. D, half inch. All right, here we go. We have C, B, B, and B. B is correct, so two inches. We want to at least try to get two inches. Um, obviously, if we're above, that's fine. If we're below, we're looking at code and talking to our engineer to see if that works, but at least try to get that. Okay. Who, 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 I got a quick question. Yeah. Point of point of inquiry. Who made up this standard? Uh, David and I this morning. Ah, okay. That's how it works. <laughs> That's how it works. That's how. It works. Um, this one is IRC nine hundred five point two, so an actual code for <laughs> asphalt shingles. A double underlayment is required at what slopes? Ooh. A. Everybody should know this because they are going to have houses one day. Yep. One half. One to twelve to two twelve. B, 312 to 412. C, 212 to 412. D, just 212. Ooh, tricky. 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 This is a tricky one. This is a tricky one. Tricky one. C, B, A, A. It 
212, can't have under 212, and you need it up to 412, so even under 312 and 412. So who had that? Who got that right? Yo, yo, yo. Just one person? So now we're tied. Wow. We are tied. All right. Now for the good questions. Yes. Number three, what is the maximum square footage of a room that is allowed to have exposed C PVC pipe in it? A, 300 square feet. B, 400 square feet. C, 500 square feet. D, C, PVC is not allowed to be exposed. Yeah, that's where it got you. I heard the what? <laughs> Tricky questions. Any, any, any repeats? The whole, the answers. Okay. A, 300 square feet. B, 400 square feet. C, 500 square feet. D, C, PVC is not allowed to be exposed. That's a hard one to say. C, PVC. D, D. What do we got? We got D, C, D, and D. The correct answer is B. Oh, no one. No one. Wow. Yeah. So you can so expose a sprinkler it. pipe. Yes. So, so anybody who doesn't know, C, PVC is for fire sprinklers. Uh, it's orange at our job site anyway. We tried to expose it, and we exposed it with too much. Uh, with too much square footage, so then we had to um, uh, put metal pipe in some places. So that's how I learned about that. Good to know. Good to know. Just a $2,000 lesson there. Just a $2,500 lesson. I think it's 2200 something. Yep. yep. We paid for it. All right. Four practical... Uh, literally. Four. Number four. Four practical purposes. What is the most efficient spacing for fiber cement battens on an exterior siding application? A... 8 inches on center, B, 12 inches on center, C, 16 inches on center, D, 24 inches on center. For practical purposes, what is the most efficient spacing for fiber cement battens on an exterior siding application? A, 8 inches on center, B, 12 inches on center, C, 16 inches on center, D, 24 inches on center. This is for the win, yeah? This is for the win. Oh, man, we don't even have a tiebreaker ready. Are you ready, Rebecca? Uh, C, B... D and B. The correct answer is C. Ross for the win. Oh, he has You it. can tell who's been on the job site the most. Awesome. Rossosaurus awesome. Rex. So that wraps that up. Can we talk about why? Why? We need, we, we need to educate. Why Let's is that the it. most why is that the most efficient spacing? Yep. Right? Because then your your battens line up with the, the studs. studs and you don't have to add extra blocking. It's uh, it's the most efficient. I and, love it. And the most like uh, litigious less version right because then they you get into studs yep if if you like that kind of knowledge you're gonna love the knowledge you'll get from revit rocket ship <laughs> oh my god you're <laughs> so go to revit rocket ship if you want to learn revit um guaranteed money back if you don't like it try it out it gives you everything from families uh how to make families to how to make projects so go check it out if you haven't left us a five-star review, you need to go to iTunes right now. You need to just pause this podcast, go to your iTunes app, leave a five-star review. If you're thinking about a four-star review, put five stars right on top of that. Ale- email us if you do that with a screenshot of your review. Alex will send you a free PDF of the book uh, with your creativity code with Lance Psycho, photograph from my daughter. Uh, and lastly... If you like the information, if you want to hear more information about this, or if you know of a student or somebody else who who needs to hear this podcast, share this episode with them.